Welcome to Women of the Military podcast. This is week three of A Girl's Guide to the Military. I want to say thank you to Women Veteran Alliance for being the title sponsor of the series and to all our other sponsors who made the series possible. Throughout the series, you'll learn more about our sponsors, but you can always learn more by going to the main landing page, which is linked to in the show notes that has all of the sponsors listed. This week, we're talking all about enlisting into the military. We're going to talk about things you need to do and things you need to know before you sign up to serve your country. So far in the series, we've talked about why people join the military, and then we talked about military disqualifications, and those are two important aspects of joining the military, but they're just the tip of the iceberg. So in this episode, we're going to talk about picking your branch, picking your career field, getting ready for the physical activity required for the military, meeting height and weight standards, and more. And we're going to end this episode with an interview with Jamie. She was about to head off to basic training when we did the interview, and so she talks about her process of joining the Navy and then the fears and worries that she had leading up to leaving for training. So if you're worried about basic training, come back next week and we'll cover that topic and dive in deeper. But that's what we have planned for this week. So let's hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll get started. Thank you to our title sponsor, Women Veteran Alliance. Women Veteran Alliance is the premier national network focused on directly impacting the quality of life of women veterans. They do this successfully through transforming the way the community networks bring people and programs directly together. Women Veteran Alliance provides weekly webinars, conferences, scholarships for veteran businesses, and more. Check out their membership options and learn how you can be involved in connecting with women veterans by heading over to their website at www.womenveteransalliance.org. But besides connecting women veterans, Women Veteran Alliance does so much more. This year, Women Veteran Alliance is hosting a live broadcast in person throughout the U.S. and online. It will be held on September 9th and 10th of 2022. You can head over to www.womenveteransalliance.org to learn more about where in-person locations are and to register. This episode is focused on enlisting into the military, but a lot of it crosses over to things that you need to know if you're becoming an officer. I'll do a separate episode talking about different officer programs and the ways to become an officer, and we'll hear from candidates who either had recently completed their officer training or in the middle of it. But for this episode, I just want to focus on enlisting and the things that you need to know before enlisting. And then next week, we're going to talk about basic training, which is the training you have to go to before you're officially in the military. So we're going to talk about things you need to talk to your recruiter about, things that you need to start preparing for mentally and physically, and just other information that I've gathered in my experience and my research of learning all about joining the military. The first thing that I want to talk about is that there are a lot of choices that you have to make before you join the military. You might think that picking your branch and going into the recruiter's office is the biggest decision that you have to make, but it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And speaking of branches, when you go to the recruiter's office, if you don't know what branch that you want to serve in, I highly recommend checking out what branch is for you. It's episode 82 of the podcast and it's linked to in the show notes so that you can find it quickly. But that episode will help you 
learn a little about what the different branches are. You might think military and think everything is the same, but each of the six branches of the military, the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, and the Space Force have a unique mission, unique culture, and a unique feel And even sometimes they have specific jobs that you can only do in certain branches. It's really important to not only think about what branch you want to join, but what job you want to do. And sometimes knowing what job you want to do can help determine what branch is right for you. And sometimes it's the other way. You know what branch you want to do, but you don't know the job you want to do. And so whatever it is that you know... Or And if you don't know anything, that's okay too. Just start with learning and doing research. Listening to this podcast is a great way to get started. And then check out the resources that I've created. I also have a girl's guide to the military that is free and it's linked to in the show notes. And you can also order my book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, that comes out in September of 2022. And it will provide even more resources to help you in your journey. So let's talk about the requirements for enlisting into the military. The main requirements for joining the military are passing the ASVAB and getting the minimum score required for your branch and passing the MEPS physical. In general, you need a high school diploma, but you can also have a GED. You just need to make sure your recruiter knows that so that you can walk through the waiver process if required So we already talked about branches and career fields, but I want to dive a little bit more into career fields. So we touched on it a little bit, but when you join the military, sometimes the recruiter will show you the jobs available that have bonuses. That was what happened to me. The recruiter saw my ASVAB score when I was enlisting, and he said, these are the jobs with your ASVAB score that you can get a bonus, and we didn't talk about any other jobs. We didn't even talk about what I wanted to do, what I was going to college for, what I wanted to do with my life. We just looked at the jobs, and then I feel like we just used a dartboard to pick one, and I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't learn about what opportunities there were. I only looked at the jobs that had bonuses, and then I didn't do very much research except for what he recommended that I take, which after learning about what that job was later on in the military, I don't think I would have been happy in the job that I originally selected. And so that's why I think it's really important that you take the time to do the research Take the time to learn about what jobs there are in the military that you can do and then figure out what the best thing is for you. Being young, it's not the easiest thing to do and there's so many choices, it can feel really overwhelming. So to help you in your journey, I've created a Women of the Military Mentorship Program that connects girls who want to join the military with women who have served in the military and so they can tell you about their experience and help point you in the direction and then you can start working through what you want to do. Also use this podcast as a resource. There are over 190 episodes and so many different stories of women who have served in the military that can tell you what different career fields are available and different opportunities. And then also Do your research, but also know that there is a possibility that once you're in the military, you can have the opportunity to cross-train. So if you pick something that you think you're going to like and then you end up not liking it, it's not the end of the world. Oftentimes, you have the opportunity to cross-train into a new career field. So 
do your research, but also know that it may not be the career field that you're going to be in long term. And so there's lots of different opportunities and just taking the time to learn about those opportunities is really important and something that I wish I would have done when I was looking at enlisting. I ended up not enlisting and becoming an officer through the ROTC program. We'll talk about that later. I just wanted to mention that story of what happened to me when I was working with a recruiter because it might happen to you. And I always ask women advice at the end of each podcast episode for girls who are considering joining the military. And I really liked Maureen and Elaine's answers. So I'm going to share them with you now so that you can hear what they had to say because their advice was specifically focused around career fields. My advice would be to go about it very thoughtfully. There are inherent risks that you take when joining the military as a woman. And I'd be lying if I didn't address that. And if you're choosing on having a family soon, you know, having a family while on active service poses some challenges. They're not quite completely prepared for women in the military having having families. It can happen. You can make it work. But it's just something to think about, you know, if that's your dream. Are you going to be able to leave that child for a nine-month deployment? You know, are you going to be able to to leave that child with your parents if both you and your spouse are in the military and deployed. However, the the opportunities for growth and development that you get from serving in the military, you might never have in the civilian world. You have the opportunity to to serve in capacities that you never thought possible, doing things that just 20 years ago were not even options for women in the military. The doors have opened up for us immensely. Um, That doesn't mean you're not going to have a battle to fight to to prove that you deserve to be in that space because there are still leadership out there who don't believe women should be serving in the military. And I would also say, uh, similar to my experience while you're at MEPS, do not be afraid to say no if they're trying to force you into a job or an opportunity that you don't want or that you're not interested in while you're at MEPS. They tried and tried for me and I kept saying no. Make sure that everything that you want or that you're promised while you're at MEPS that you have in writing and that you have a copy of because sometimes those things don't always translate when you arrive at basic training. But if you have it in writing, they have to uphold it. And then don't be afraid to ask what bonuses are available. When I joined, they didn't have a whole lot of bonuses out there, but I I just asked, I was like, hey, you got any bonuses? And they came up with like $7,000 worth of, of bonuses just because I'd asked about it. If I hadn't asked, they wouldn't have said anything about it. So go into it with your eyes wide open. And then if you do join the military, try to find a mentor or a sponsor because sometimes things will happen and you're not quite sure if it's appropriate or if it's thing, you know, just the way things are in the military or, or what you should do about it. And like for me, when I had that incident where I needed help because no one was training me to do the job I wanted, I went to a senior um, woman personnel and I asked for her help and she was absolutely there to help me know that like, hey, this isn't okay and we're going to take care of this. So having, you know, a senior level woman or woman veteran to help guide you through that career can make a huge difference. Well, first I got to preface this by saying I never listened to any advice I was given (laughs) when I was joining the military. No one offered any, but if they had, I wouldn't have. But still, I'll put in my two cents. I would say pick a job that you like. Don't be enticed by money. Money is meaningless. Okay. It's not meaningless, but I mean, overall. Okay. Don't worry about how much you're going to make. Don't worry about, uh, you know, oh, I won't have that bonus. Wait the six months for the MOS you really want to do. Tell them, look, I'm really interested in joining the Navy, Army, Air Force, Marine. I really want to join, but you know what? If you can't get this uh, specific MOS for me, I don't think I can do it. Tell them that and then walk out and maybe they'll, they'll probably call you. You know, I didn't know how to be like that. I don't know if I know how to be like that now, but I'm trying. So now that we talked about picking your branch and picking your career, let's talk about getting ready for both 
height and weight standards and also the physical fitness aspect that will be required through your basic training. I'm going to do a full episode about fitness and health later on in the series with Ashley McGee. She's a Navy veteran, but you need to start preparing for the physical fitness test that your branch requires. Currently, the Space Force is considering a test where they give you a fitness band tracker and that will help them determine your physical fitness level. That could still change, but even if you are joining the Space Force, the Space Force basic training is currently run through the Air Force and you still have to meet the Air Force standards. And the Army recently changed their physical fitness test from push-ups sit-ups and running to a army combat fitness test that requires a lot more strength and stamina to get the results needed to pass. So make sure you do research about what your branch requires, what types of exercises are required. There's a lot of things changing in the military, so just because You know someone who served in the branch doesn't mean that things haven't changed since they left the military. So it's really important to use the internet and to grab those resources to help you in your preparation. But the main thing is to start moving, to start walking, and to start running. You have to be on your feet and there are really long days during your basic training. And so getting out and moving is really important to help you be prepared. And speaking of getting out and moving... Your weight may be something that you have to either lose weight to meet the height and weight standards or to gain weight to meet the minimum weight standards. And so there isn't specific advice I can give you on what is the best way for you to lose or gain weight, but it is something to consider to look at just like everything. All the branches seem to have different height and weight requirements and they have different rules about what your weight needs to be when you join and when you're on active duty. So that's really something that you should look into and to learn about so that you can be aware of where you land on the height and weight chart and if this is something that concerns you or if it doesn't. In the Girl's Guide to Military Service coming out in September of 2022, I share some of the tips I use to help me in my experience of training for basic training. And next week, Allison is going to share her experience and she was training for the Army combat fitness test and because of the physical strength required, she had gained a lot of muscle and that actually pushed her over the weight limit. And so she talks about what she did and how she worked with someone so that she could be back within weight standards and ready for basic training. So that's something to consider and it's important to talk about. But no matter if you're trying to gain weight or lose weight to join the military, it is important to start moving and to figure out what the best way is to gain or lose that weight because you don't want to show up to basic training out of shape. You don't have to be in the best shape of your life, but the more in shape you are, the easier it will make the training and it'll make it easier to pass the test that you have to take at the end of the training. And the last thing I want to talk about, the enlistment process, and I don't want to go into too much detail because we did talk about it last week in the military disqualifications, is the military entrance processing station. I already have created on YouTube, which I'll link to in the show notes, three tips for preparing for MEPS, the medical, physical, at MEPS, 
And then also, as I mentioned in the last episode, you can check out Mariah's story sharing her experience at MEPS. It's episode 34, so if you want to check that out, you can. And now that we've talked a little bit about the enlistment process, let's hear from someone who was about to head off to basic training, so she had done all the steps she needed, and she just had to get on the plane and go to basic training and hear what her experience was like. So let's start that now. Welcome to the show, Jamie. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet. You are days away from heading off to boot camp for the Navy, and you got my girls' guide to the military, right? I do, yeah. And then we connected, and we've been talking back and forth, and and then your date got moved up, and we were like, oh, we gotta hurry and get this interview in before you go. So I'm excited to talk to you about your experience leading up to joining, and then hopefully when you finish training, we'll be able to schedule another interview so that people can hear the before and after. Yeah, definitely. So I always like to start with, why did you decide to join the military? So let's start there. Well, it's a long story. (laughs) I'm 21 now. I think back when I was 17 or 18, I had this friend and I never considered the military like an option whatsoever. I knew it existed, but I never really thought of it as like an option. And my friend, um, she had a boyfriend. She was still in high school. She had a boyfriend that they had broken up because he was leaving for the Marine Corps and she was really heartbroken over it. Um, and she was like, you know what? I'm going to join the Navy. And I was like, you know what? I'll go with you. <laughs> and so uh, that never happened. But it was kind of like in the back of my mind, like, hmm, what if I did do that? And then I think like a year after that or two years after that, I'm, you know, working at a grocery store, collecting carts in the parking lot. And two Navy recruiters walked up to me and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I said, I, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> this is pretty pointless. I'm not really going anywhere. And so that kind of brought it back to the front of my mind and all that stuff. I actually went into the office and I took a practice ASVAB and they said, I don't know what I scored, but they said I did really, really well. Then I never went back. I had a rough, a rough time when I, when I turned 18, stuff like that. I moved away. I didn't have the healthiest at home situation. So I moved away. And then that living situation kind of it crashed and burned for sure. <laughs> um, and so I went and lived on, you know, my aunt's couch for a while. And it was a whole mess. I ended up living in my car for about a week. And then I forced myself to move back home with my parents, which was the last thing I wanted to do. And then I couldn't handle that. So like a couple weeks after that, went back to living in my car for a couple months. I was definitely, definitely, you know, fell in with the wrong crowd and stuff like that. And it was not a good time. I lived in a tent on the side of the road for a while. <laughs> it wasn't a good time. And uh, of course, in, in situations like that, there's a lot of illegal activities going on around you, even if you're not directly participating. So I'm very lucky to come out of that alive and with no criminal record. <laughs> Thank goodness. So I, I finally, finally moved back into my parents again. I was living in their garage. I was like, you know what? I do not want to be here. <laughs> I do not want to be here, but my car was stolen, so I couldn't just live in my car again. And so I was like, you know what? Let me look into the Navy one more time. Um, and I got all the way up to uh, going to MEPS. I took the ASVAB, not at MEPS, but before. I forgot. It's a different 
it's got a different name, but I forgot what it is. And I scored a 93. And so my recruiter was like, great. All you have to do is go to MEPS, do your physical and get that score confirmed and you're good to go. You can do like anything you want to. And I'm like, okay, sick. So I schedule, you know, a trip to MEP and I I chickened out. I didn't go to MEPS. (laughs) I was like, I can't do this because I didn't want to sign a contract and then end up leaving. I didn't want to join for the wrong reasons. I wanted to join because I wanted to do it, not because I wanted to get away from my parents or anything like that. Although it's a very stable and reliable way of doing that. I didn't want to get stuck there if I didn't want to be there. So I chickened out. I didn't go. And I lived with my parents for a while and I just kind of worked. And then uh, my husband, who I had known for quite some time, he was in the Marine Corps in North Carolina at Cherry Point. I had come out to Virginia to go to his roommate's wedding and we loved it here. And so less than a month after that, that I would move out here. And I was, next thing you know, I'm sleeping on their couch and I got married to my now husband and we bought a house here. And I was uh, working at a retail job, was walking through the aisle and I looked over and there was a Navy recruiter's card. And I was like, all right, I guess that's it. (laughs) Let's do it again. So it just kind of was like kept happening and kept happening. And finally I was just like, okay, fine. You've had a few trial runs to get to the Navy and now you're in a better place and you're ready for the commitment and it's your choice and not something you're doing because you have to. And so, and you went to MEPS and now you just have to get on the plane to boot camp. Is that all you have to do? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is actually the second time I've been decked in as well. I've been through this before. <laughs> I had a previous ship date for May and I uh, couldn't end up going because of a medical condition. So that was a whole nightmare too. Yeah. Medical issues are a big challenge that people face. So it sounds like you had a long, crazy road to join in the military. And there are two versions of the ASVAB. They're both called the ASVAB, but one's called like the CAT and one called something else. And I think it's always better to do the one that's not the same day as MEPS because then you don't have to, because MEPS is already a long day and then and the ASVAB's a long day, so put them together, it's like a really long day. And then you also have your score before you go to MEP, so it makes it easier to learn about the jobs and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So were you able to use the old ASVAB score? So I kind of played myself on that one because when I chickened out and didn't go to MEPS to get the score confirmed, because of that, it wouldn't carry over to the next year when I was here. So I had to retake the ASVAB and this time I took it at MEPS and I got an 89. So I got a couple of points lower, but still I could, I could do pretty much anything. I can't remember, but it's like in the 40s, 30s and 40s is like the lowest score. So 89 is definitely well higher than you need to be. And what peripheral did you end up picking with your ASVAB score? Yeah, so at first, in this whole time, the past few years, it's always been my goal to go into the nuclear field. And so that was my goal. And honestly, so I grew up really poor. So honestly, the main reason why I wanted to go nuclear is because I had the biggest signing bonus, you know, the biggest, you know, I'd start boot camp at an E3 pay grade. And, you know, it's just seemed like it was going to set me up the best as far as finances goes. And I had the test scores for it. So why not? You know, and then I actually didn't get into the nuclear program. It was a funny story, though. So I took the ASVAB, got an 89. Um, I qualified to take the nuke test. And I went to headquarters over here in Richmond, Virginia, took the nuke test. My chief and I were just standing there 
awkward while the nuclear coordinator was grading my test and I was the only one there. So it was just us and we're just like looking at each other, so nervous. And the coordinator comes out and he just comes out and goes, just gives me a thumbs up. And both my chief and I were just like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and it was funny because he, he looked at me and he said, you know, you did record-breakingly good for someone who's been out of school for two years. And I looked at him and I said, actually, sir, it's been three years. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was on cloud nine. I was so happy. But in high school, I did really bad. I was really smart, but I did not apply myself because of my situation at home and not really being an ideal situation at school either. So I didn't have the best grades. So I had to get a lot of waivers. And uh, one of my waivers for a math class I took in, uh, I think, my sophomore year of high school, it got denied for like no reason. So I didn't end up going nuclear. And the only way to make up for that waiver was to take a college math class, but I didn't have time because it was like, I want to say like early April when this happened, last year, I guess. And uh, uh, my ship date was May 5th. So I was like, well, there's no way I can get a whole math class in in a month. So I was settling for my backup contract because you can't sign a new contract at MEPS. You have to sign a backup contract and then transition into it which was AECF, uh, or the Advanced Electronic Computer Field, which is, uh, as everyone has told me, the next best thing to nuke. So went with that. And then actually, uh, that medical condition that I mentioned before came up about a week or two before my ship date. So that sucked. I got a giant abscess on my tailbone, and I went to the emergency room. Luckily, my husband was still in the Marine Corps, so we had TRICARE. <laughs> that was amazing. But I went to the emergency room, and the emergency room doctor uh, diagnosed it as a pilonidal cyst. And so I got it drained and taken care of. But uh, there was talks of me needing surgery to remove it because those types of things tend to, like, tunnel into your body. So that's not good. And they tend to return as well. So if you get it surgically removed, it's way less likely to return. So my chief and senior chief uh, tried to roll my ship date back so I'd have time to get the surgery and recover before going to boot camp. And the higher-ups were like, nah. They ended up taking me out of the debt program completely. And I had no ship date, and I wasn't even in debt. And I was like, well, shoot, what now? So I ended up going to see the surgeon, and the surgeon looked at the, uh, the wound, which was still open. And he told me that he actually didn't see any physical evidence of it being a pilonidal cyst, it looked more like a uh, just an infected hair follicle. And so I was like, oh, okay. So he's like, you know, you don't really need surgery. If it comes back, definitely, you know, reconsider. But for now, you're fine. But now all my paperwork, my medical paperwork says pilonidal cyst all over it, which I later came to find out was a disqualifying condition for the Navy. And I didn't know that until I went to MEPS the second time just recently. And I think we were connected like the day before, I think, that happened. That was in late April. I kind of was like, well, you know, this is a good chance to take the math class. I can get back into the new program. You know, it kind of was working out for the best. And then with working and my husband getting out of the Marine Corps over the summer, I just did not have the time or money to take that math class because the college right next to me in my town did not offer such math class. I had to drive like 45 minutes away one way to take this math class type twice a week and it had to be in person. So it was just not going to work. I gave up on nuke. I was like, you know what? Whatever. Forget it. <laughs> 
So yeah, and then I finally went back to MEPS just recently in December, right before everyone left for Christmas. I saw the doctor right away. I was in and out of MEPS in like three hours, which is apparently unheard of. <laughs> so yeah, my, I met my chief at the recruiting station at like two o'clock in the morning. We just drove because it's like three hours away. We drove there. I went in. I saw the doctor and he looked at where the wound was and he said it looked fine. He applied some pressure to it, didn't feel anything. And he was explaining to me that a pilonidal cyst is disqualifying, but I can get a waiver. And since he didn't really see very much evidence of it uh, returning or anything like that, that he thought I had a really good chance of getting a waiver approved. And then I explained to him how I saw the surgeon and the surgeon said it didn't look like a pilonidal cyst at all. And that's just what the ER doc told me it was. And so immediately when I said that, the Navy doctor was like, oh yeah, I 100% agree. And he just removed the disqualification altogether. And then I was cleared and I was signing another contract next thing you know. Did you end up with the job? Yeah, yeah. I ended up uh, signing the same AUCF contract, but this time with a with a signing bonus for, uh, for shipping early. So it, it still worked out for the better. <laughs> Yay, that's exciting. Signing bonuses are always nice. Yep, yep. So... That's a crazy story. So much drama. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also interesting because I didn't know, I knew about nukes, but I didn't know there was a specific special test. I thought it was based just on your ASVAB score. So that's really a good thing to know if someone wants to do the nuclear field, that there's also another test they have to do and other qualifications. Like it's important if you're in high school and you're listening to do well in your math classes. Right. Very important. I wish I I wish I knew before when I was in high school. So like I said, I was smart. I just, you know, the main reason was I didn't do my homework. I did barely enough to get a D to technically pass. And that was it. So I wish I knew. I wish I knew because that would have been no problem for me. And then as far as joining the nuclear field, so you take the ASVAB and you have your line scores. Um, and for the nuclear field, I think it's a combination of, I want to say three of the line scores on there. Um, and if you score high enough on those three, you don't have to take the nuke test. Um, you can kind of just skip it. But if you score within the certain range, like not high enough to skip it, but high enough to take the test, then you have to take that test to proceed. Great to know. Yeah. I've seen, because I've been doing a lot of research about joining the military, and I've seen the Navy website with their like letters and numbers, and I was like, what are they talking about? And now all of a sudden I'm like, I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Navy website has all that information, and now it might make a little bit more sense because I was looking at it and I was like, what are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because I was like, I'm like, what number do you need? But now I understand because I've only heard ASVAB in terms of like a number, like an 89 or 52. And so, yeah, on the Navy website, it was like all these different letters. And then it was like equals this. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, it's those line scores. It's those line scores. Yeah. Yeah. What What is crazy, too, is that first test that I got a 93 on, I scored high enough on those line scores to skip the new test. And so, like I said, I played myself on that one by not going to MEPS and getting it confirmed. Which is probably why you did so good on the second one, because you had already needed the expectations of the test. 
So I guess that shows you how important the ASVAB really is. It's not just pass-fail. You don't want to get like the minimum score to get in because that limits your job opportunities. So if there's a job you want to do, make sure that you know what you need to score and what areas specifically you need to focus on. That kind of helps you with studying because I feel like studying for the ASVAB is hard because it's so broad. But if you know that the career field, you need to score high in these certain areas that can narrow down where you need to study in your focus areas. Definitely. Yeah. So I knew uh, I wanted, there's three rates or jobs in the nuclear field and I wanted to do electronic technician nuclear. So I knew I wanted to do, you know, stuff with electronics and stuff like that. On the ASVAB, I didn't so much study for like the mechanical side of it or anything like that. It was more so, you know, of course the basic reading and writing and math and stuff like that. It was fine. But yeah, I looked into a, a little bit more of the electrician stuff and all that stuff a little bit more because I knew that's what I wanted. And I scored the highest on that line score. That's yeah, <laughs> I scored the highest on that one. So it was looking really good as is, is they pick your rate for your field based on scores. And I knew I was definitely getting into the one I wanted. So. So it's been a long road, but you're almost to the end of it and you're about to head off to training. So are you nervous about boot camp? I am terrified. <laughs> I am so nervous, especially now that it's happening like way sooner. I was supposed to leave a month from yesterday and now I'm leaving this week. So I'm like scrambling to get everything together at home for my husband and our roommate before I just leave for two and a half months <laughs> or more with a school and all that. So yeah, I've been, I've been busy at home. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Yeah. You have your boot camp that's eight weeks plus then we were talking about the two weeks after for another training and then your a school. Do you know how long a school is? Well, I can look it up real quick too. I forget the exact numbers, but so basically you have the 10 weeks for boot camp. now that they changed it to 10 weeks and then for ACF, or like I said, the Advanced Electronic Computer Field, there's two rates. Electronic Technician, which conveniently was the job I wanted in the nuclear field, and FC or Fire Controlman, which uh, if you see, you know, the Navy ships with the giant guns on the outside, basically I'd be shooting those, which I think is so cool because my husband was a, an armorer in the Marine Corps. So I told him I'd be working on bigger weapons than he did. So conveniently, I get to stay in Great Lakes, which is where boot camp is for my A school. And so both ETs and FCs are there for, I want to say nine weeks of training for like general training. And then they get split up into their, their own pipelines and they're different. I think ETs are there for a little longer and then FCs, it, it's a little quicker. Cool. You said you were terrified about going to boot camp. I feel like I skipped over that. And like if people could see you, you like put your hands on your face and you were like, ah, I could see the fear. What are you most worried about? I am really good at keeping my mouth shut. So not so much that, you know, I feel like I have a really good mindset. You know, I'm there to get in and get out. I'm not there to, you know, make friends. I'm not there to do this or do that or cause trouble. I'm just there to get in, get my training and then move on. <laughs> so I'm not so worried about that. What I am worried about is the physical activity and most part of the physical training, just because, man, I'm, I'm out of shape for sure. <laughs> but uh, a lot of uh, some like maybe some self-esteem issues deep down that I don't even realize. I think my, my mom who, who's a bit overweight, 
she always told me throughout my childhood, like, I used to look just like you when I was your age. Just watch, like, one day you'll end up like me and all this stuff. And she probably doesn't even remember saying that to me, but I remember it. <laughs> it it, uh, it definitely affected me mentally. And so that's, a, that's honestly a big reason why I also wanted to join the military, because I knew if I was in the military, I had to stay fit to stay in the military. And I can't end up, you know, like that. So... It's like, once I get through this, I, I think I'll be fine. But it's getting through this that, that I'm scared about. I think you'll do great because, well, I know that you're committed and we've talked a lot, texting back and forth and getting to hear and just seeing how excited you are and how committed you are with like all the challenges that you face. But that doesn't mean it will be easy. But y'all said I'm not going to be there to make friends. You definitely should be planning on making friends because many of the women that I've interviewed and even through my own experience, I made friends at boot camp that I'm still connected with today. And so it is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But like the people part of the military is the very best part. So yeah, definitely. I'm like going in and it's not my intention to make friends, but I definitely know I will. You know, I know it just kind of happens. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're aware of some of like the mental challenges blocks that you have. And then, you know, like the physical fitness is going to be hard. So I feel like you're prepared and you're ready and you can't ever really be ready. So I think the fact that you're going early is perfect, too, because now you can you have all the stuff you have to do. And like now there's a little bit more excitement into getting everything done and getting out the door instead of waiting for the day to show up. Right. Yeah, it definitely makes the, the waiting part way easier knowing that I have to wait way less. And then also, too, uh, since I'm married, everything I read said I'll be getting BAH during boot camp and A school. So definitely looking forward to that because our BAH is like twice what our mortgage is. So we'll be able to save a ton of money, ideally, especially while I'm in boot camp and I'm getting everything handed to me, basically. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And so is my husband. So we kind of definitely considered that when they asked me to ship early, because the sooner I go, the sooner we start collecting that BAH and are able to save more money. Are you guys worried about having to move to, I'm assuming, is there a naval base near where you are? Um, I think the closest one is Norfolk, which is about three hours away from us. And it's a huge base. So I've, I've heard like anyone who wants to go there basically can because it's so huge. So I'm definitely considering that. Um, but honestly, as long as I don't have to go back to California, which is where I'm from, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm fine with wherever. My husband and I are both from California, both from the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and we hated it. We hated it so much. I mean, it'd be different if the military was paying me to live there, but I'd rather just avoid it altogether. So as long as we're not there, I think anywhere is okay with us. I wanted to talk about, you said that they changed boot camp from eight weeks to 10 weeks. So can we talk about like why they added that two weeks? Yeah. So um, as far as I know, the extra two weeks comes after Battle Stations 21, which is like the final big event, the big test. You get off the ship and then it's a ceremony where you, you know, recite the Sailor's Creed and you take off the recruit hat and you put on the sailor hat and it's this big emotional thing. And then graduation is typically a couple of days after that. But now for recruits going in, I think starting the 3rd of, of January this year, it's 10 weeks. And they added, as far as I know, two week life skills class at the end after Battle Stations 21. I've heard a lot of people say it's there's a big thing going on with new sailors getting blackmailed and scammed on the internet, stuff like that. There's definitely, you know, the stereotype of people who join the military and then go buy the most expensive car they can find or something like that. And so 
unfortunately, stereotypes got to come from somewhere. So I think it's definitely good that they're adding a life skills class to boot camp. But I have heard a lot of people say that there is no reason it should be so long. There's no reason it should be a whole two weeks just for that. Definitely heard a lot of people say that there's plenty of time to fit it in there or to maybe do like a couple days or something like that. But oh, well. Yeah. So it sounds like the Navy's trying to help out new seamen by giving them life skills, especially because many new people to the military, like they join right after high school and they haven't really experienced life. But I do agree that Two weeks kind of sounds like overkill, especially because you're just doing training all day. It's not like you go on a class for an hour and then you have a two hour break. It's like eight hours of class and or more and they could probably squeeze it in. But I do think it's good that they're trying to help prevent some of the things that they've seen happen and prepare you guys on the right foot. Well, I'm excited for you as you embark on this adventure, and I'm excited to talk to you when you finish training and just to hear about your experience and what you learned from it. I look forward to talking to you when you finish. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope that it helped you in your journey to the military. And if you want to learn more about joining the military, please check out my new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service. and I'll have a link so you can pre-order in the show notes. And I also want to give another shout out to our sponsors for the series, Women Veteran Alliance, Jay Volbrecht Consulting, Garrett Sorensen with Markham Wealth, Photography by Trish Algrea-Smith, Serve Like Her, and Nomadies Collections. You can learn more about our sponsors at the Girl's Guide to the Military landing page, which I have linked to in the show notes where you can also find every episode from the series. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll come back next week.